back, funky listeners. You're listening to Funk Radio again. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, it's even cool. It's even cooler for you, Kyle, because you get to be on Funk Radio, not just listen to it. What? Yeah. So this is. If you've stayed with us this long, then you have serious mental problems, and you need to seek psychiatric help. Until then. Our, until then, <laughs> listen to us talk more. Um, speaking of sticking with us for a long time, if oh, yeah. you listeners happen to have caught our second ever episode that we did of this podcast, which apparently happened in fall of 2012, which makes me feel very old, yeah. um, we actually talked about a handful of funk and soul songs that were being used in TV commercials. Now, I think what... I don't remember what inspired that episode, but I remember... Well, it was we our second to, episode. We had already run out of ideas. That's true. Yeah, what inspired it was we didn't run out of ideas yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do remember we discussed that that um, that song. It was used in like the new Windows 8 commercials that were coming out at the time. Oh. Uh, what like, song were they using? See, it was oh, over three years ago. Ex- express Yourself. Oh, uh, yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't the Charles Wright one. It was like a redo... Like a cover by that British by that British kid. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, sort of. Um, okay. I remember we. I think that was the episode we discussed that. Maybe I'm, it I probably was. Say. Um, but yeah, I remember we, we 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 went through some, I guess, soul songs and commercials. Didn't we talk about like a Swiffer commercial too or something? I think that one was "Give Me Just a Little More Time." Yeah, that's it. Because it was like the the. The broom was being, you know, not used anymore and being replaced by like a Swiffer thing. And oh, no, maybe it was Who's That Lady by the Isley Brothers. Because, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Because the broom was jealous of the of the, of new, the Swiffer. Yeah, that's you're absolutely right. That was that. Okay, <laughs> let's spend this entire episode rehashing an episode from <laughs> four years ago. Um, so yeah, just to recap, yeah, we talked about, um, soul and funk songs that were used in TV commercials. This this topic, this time around, four years later, uh, is mm. slightly different uh, in that we're talking about songs that were taken by commercials and slightly altered to reflect more the advertising of said product as opposed to using the original. Right. Um, we, found, we found a handful of examples. Some are very cringeworthy and very awesome, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um regarding uh funk and soul songs being used in commercials, I think if I remember correctly, uh we kind of came to the conclusion that that type of music is used a lot in commercials um because it's familiar enough to a lot of people, but at the same time it's not popular enough where it's really expensive to use that music. Mm-hmm. Um so it's kind of I guess it's probably in that like perfect middle ground. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Where they're not, you know, breaking the bank to make one Pop-Tarts commercial. Because it has a Justin Bieber song in it or something. Oh, God. Um, and, you know, obviously we were, I feel like we were able to come up with like a dozen different examples in just in that one time period, but it's it's an ongoing thing. I mean, I feel like we could probably have an episode every couple of months if we wanted to with that, but. Oh, yeah. You know, that's not really something to come back to all the time. Plus, I don't have TV anyway, so it's hard to do that. Yeah, I hardly watch commercials anymore. I even have ad blocker on my browser. <laughs> To yeah. Avoid that as much as possible. Um, but we we did what kind of want to come back to this conversation, like you said, kind of from a different angle. 
um, mm. seeing how songs lyrics specifically are altered from their original version into something that speaks directly to the the viewer as uh, advertising a product or a service or something and uh you know like like you said we have a few different examples but i also kind of wanted to come at this from the direction of how advertisers try to manipulate us for lack of a better term manipulating our emotions by taking something that we are familiar with like a catchy song that a lot of people enjoy and then kind of twisting it a little bit to say you know you should buy oreos um and then when you see oreos in the store that you you think of that song and you think of that jingle and you're like hey i should buy oreos exactly um I don't think there's really an ethical discussion behind that, but I just think it's interesting that that's kind of one method that advertisers have learned to use over the years. Yeah. Speaking of jingles, I wonder if that's like a a viable career path anymore. You know, that like back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, mm. through the 90s even, there was musical artists that literally just made money writing jingles for products yeah but slowly i see jingles being less and less prelevant Pre- yeah wow uh i tried to say prevalent and relevant at the same time <laughs> and butchered both of them uh less prevalent now than they were even you know 20 years ago i mean you, you obviously you and i grew up with kids commercials in the 90s and that there seemed to be a fair number of those there. I mean, I'm probably not on the level of like, you know, 1950s when like jingles were the complete shit of all things in a good way. I'm turning into you, Kyle. Best, best description ever. <laughs> the complete shit of all things. There's uh, an episode title. I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am the shit. Said God. Where would, I can't remember where I was going. Oh, I mean, are there really even jingles for any commercials in it i'm sure if we look hard enough there are i it seems like the only ones that ever even try to use them anymore are like really low budget commercials for like some you know family company where they're like come by worthington's furniture on 12th avenue and we have uh, a song that i'm not singing because i can't think of anything or like used car dealerships like you won't get a lemon at toyota of orange Please pay me money for singing that. <laughs> you know, like that kind of yeah, like yeah. E- earworm type shit. Yeah, I don't know. I, exactly. I think, and maybe maybe because those types of jingles, are, you know, are now are used for used car dealerships, maybe they've lost a lot of their luster mm. where they're only associated with more localized brands or cheap things that, you know, respected manufacturers like hard manufacturers or electronics manufacturers aren't you know using jingles to sell their brands so much as like iconic visuals if that makes any sense yeah yeah actually oh you know what this brings back a little bit of schooling for me um because i did take an advertising slash branding class in college and we studied a lot of like how it's evolved well please over the years and well obviously it's been a number of years so i can't say a whole lot but I mean, I'll just use the 50s as an example. Like, if you looked at, like, a time period like that, and advertising something was all about the product and, like, listing out, here are all the great things about this new Chrysler or Mm -hmm. this Coca-Cola, and it's tasty and whatever. 
But now, how do I say this? The, compare a commercial for Coca-Cola in the 50s to one today. And mm. it, it's clear that branding has become much more of like uh, showing people in a, in a, in a lifestyle they were having yeah. fun and like at the yeah. beach with their friends. And oh, by the way, they happen to be drinking Coca-Cola. It's, I, guess, I, th- I think what you're trying to say, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it's gone from like advertising the value of the product to advertising how the product makes you feel. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I completely understand. In fact, I, in some of the, cause I work in a bit of advertising, mm-hmm. it's, it's always it's from a production standpoint about, you know, applying a sort of emotional, what's the word? An emotional, you're, you're applying an emotional branding to your product yeah. to, you know, subconsciously have people elicit certain emotions when they, you know, consume said product, I suppose. So, you know, exactly in a Coca-Cola, yeah, wow, I'm dyslexic tonight, (laughs) a Coca-Cola commercial, trying to say that five times fast, um, or an iPhone commercial Mm -hmm. or a laptop commercial, it always shows happy people doing, you know, utilizing that product. And it's like, oh, if if I use this product, it'll make me have friends and be happy. Exactly, yeah. You know, I mean... One thing I gotta say is I think one of the uh, I guess brands that really tapped into that kind of shit early is uh, is alcohol commercials. You know, <laughs> for the longest time they always just because they're not gonna be like, here's our alcohol, it gets you drunk faster. Like they're not gonna advertise <laughs> the, you know, the the benefits of their product. They're gonna show people drinking their product and being happy and lively, so that when people associate alcohol or their brand of alcohol. They associate it with having a good time, and uh, mm-hmm. other brands have kind of fallen in line with that uh, consumer logic. Yeah, if that makes sense. They've all become alcohol commercials, where it's like, "Hey, if you buy this product, hot girls will lust after you," and shit. <laughs> exactly, and Next body spray. Yeah, <laughs> and I suppose that ties in a little bit with you know what we're trying to talk about with the music as well is that. It's trying to do more than sell a product. It's trying to evoke emotions within the consumer, not necessarily even consciously. Mm-hmm. Even with these these songs that we're going to be talking about, it's all about you know getting a song stuck in your head on a subconscious level. So you know you're whistling the song tune, and then you're like, "Oh shit, I need Oreos or something." You know, <laughs> even though the song was for something else. Exactly. Well, whatever. I don't know. It's all, but it's all, it's all subconscious targeting. Exactly. Yeah. So, speaking of subconscious, um, what are some of the songs that we've stumbled across? We haven't, we didn't stumble across a ton of them, so we're not gonna, you know, drone on about them. But we can hit a few. Yeah, two of them we pulled from our, our childhood, um, mm-hmm. and then one we came across only a couple months ago, just because it was really funny. I think we should talk about one that a lot of we this is when we came up with but then I was also looking at a couple of lists online of commercials that use songs and alter the lyrics to sell the product um, this one was coming up a lot of those lists too so it kind of concreted uh, you know this is a good decision was um, there was a Cool Whip commercial in 1999 that used a modified version of Cool Jerk by the Capitals which came out in 1966 um, it's an old song. It's an old song. So I think we've talked about Cool Jerk at least once on the show before. Even actually, I think it wasn't even that long ago that we... 
It was disgusting. yeah because we talked about it in the the when we talked about um, singles released in 1966 because you know it's 50 years later. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. It's only been like a month. But um yeah, so you know the the refrain of, of Cool Jerk goes Cool Jerk, Cool Jerk, and then so they decide well we'll make it Cool Whip. So this is definitely I think I mean I think pretty much anyone who grew up in the 90s knows this commercial, and it's. <laughs> I think this one kind of plays into a little bit of what we were saying with like the lifestyle versus the product itself mm-hmm. uh, in the commercial. This is kind of a good early example of that um, because it's a big group of people, like some big picnic or something, and they're all eating a lot of tasty food, and Cool Whip just happens to be the star of the show. Because uh, everybody knows that you can't have a picnic without Cool Whip being <laughs> on everything you eat. Yeah. <laughs> I love Cool Whip sandwiches. Oh yeah, I I was trying to think of some you know points of discussion we could kind of talk about in this episode, and uh, one I was thinking about was I don't even know if I wrote it down now, but it was thinking about how you know using the familiarity of a song to grab someone's attention, like oh I know that song, I'm gonna watch this commercial. Oh hey Cool Whip, that looks tasty. Those people are happy. I want to be happy too. I'm gonna sit at home and eat Cool Whip all day. <laughs> That'll make and me then, happy. Can then get diabetes and die lonely. Um, but yeah, what what I was going with, where I was going with that is, um, what if you don't know the original song? Do you so then you just kind of assume, probably that it's it's an original song that they came up with? Because I mean, like as a kid and when I was nine years old, I didn't know Cool Trick by the Capitals personally. True. I, I think if you don't know the original song that comes from, you kind of just assume, oh, that's just some new jangle they came up with. And yeah, I wonder. Sure. I wonder if that does anything negative for the original, original song. song. I don't know. I mean, eh, maybe it does only if the people discover the original song after the fact, like we probably did, where you know, mm. you know the Cool Whip song, and then you hear the original, and you're like, "Wait a second, that's the Cool Whip song," uh, only to realize, obviously, that that was not a, you know originally made for Cool Whip. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everything I knew was a lie. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if it necessarily diminishes the original artwork, I guess, mm. the, uh, so much as maybe it diminishes the product because you're like, oh shit, they didn't even write their own song. They just changed the words of, an, of another song mm. that had nothing to do with their product. So if anything, I think it would be the opposite. It wouldn't diminish the artist, it would diminish the, the product, product because. You would think that they were being lazy or like, something. Uh, jumping ahead of myself a little bit here, perfect example is another song that we um, are going dis- to are discussing. This song, "Book of Love" by the Monotones. Mm-hmm. I had no idea the original song even existed until you sent it to me a couple weeks ago, and I listened to it and I'm like, "Why the fuck does this sound so familiar?" Yeah. And you told me you're like, "Oh yeah, it's the it's the same chorus or slightly changed chorus as that um, very." nostalgic commercial the nestle wonder ball commercial mm-hmm. remember uh, if if any of you listeners lived as children in the 90s you remember those chocolate balls with like other candy inside it was usually like i want to say was this nestle wonder ball was this branded under that willy wonka thing or was this totally different remember they had all the willy wonka candy no it was it shit? was different because it was oh. like disney slash nestle 
Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, they had like little hard candy shapes of Disney characters inside the ball. Right. Or whatever. Am I right? Yeah. I think they even had Pokemon ones uh, for a half a second. But um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, every 90s kid knows the Wonder Ball. What's in a Wonder Ball? Uh, commercial song. Yeah. And for me to realize, oh, crap, that wasn't some awesome, catchy jingle that they wrote. That was just a song by this uh, group, the Monotones, that they just changed for the commercial. It makes them seem even less creative. And I'm just like, oh, shit, this isn't the Wonder Ball. The Wonder Ball song isn't like some awesome, catchy, original jingle that mm. ruled my childhood. That's a, that's a good point. Actually, I want to come back to this, but for before okay. we kind of get too far away from the Cool Whip thing... Um, I kind of no, that's that's fine. I like that this conversation is picking up shits, but <laughs> it's picking. It needs to be picking up more words, Peter. Um, I, I actually kind of want to place two short clips of Cool Jerk and then Cool Whip back to back, so that oh, our listeners yeah, yeah. can hear both first the original and then the commercialized version of it. So you can see, obviously, they didn't really try to make it too different at all. It's very similar of the two. And yeah. it's, it, it, like I said, if you grew up in the 90s, you probably know that one. Um, exactly. But yeah, back to the, the Nestle Wonderball. It's really funny because that, that one that's kind of really the one that kind of sparked this whole episode because the story behind discovering that was... You know, I haven't used uh, Pandora in like two, three years, maybe. But I was no. at work, and I was at work, and I was like, eh, "I need to want. I want to listen to music, but I want to constantly keep changing it." So I just like, eh, I'll use Pandora, and I'll just put something on. Within like two or three songs, it played "Book of Love" by the Monotones, which I had never heard before until then. And I was like, "Holy shit! This is <laughs> this is the Wonderball song." <laughs> So that's funny. That's my yeah. Because yeah, you sent that to me, and I was like, and you didn't tell me at first. You're like, does this song sound familiar? And listen, dude, I'm like, what the fuck? This song sounds so familiar, but I've never heard of these guys before. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's kind of the, the same reaction from both of us. Exactly. Um, fun aside about Wonder Balls is Wonder Balls are actually based off of a German candy called Kinder Eggs, which Wunderballs. Wunder Wunderbar. Uh, or didn't, which didn't actually have like hard candy inside the chocolate ball, but an actual toy fries. Oh, okay. But they were banned in the U.S. because stupid ass U.S. kids were like, "Oh shit, chocolate!" and they were choking <laughs> on the toy inside. That's so terrible. So they're like, "Well, let's at least make the thing inside the ball edible as well, so that kids don't die." And thus, Wonder Balls were born. That's really oh, funny. man. Yeah. I don't know. I remember kids my age still even going on about Kinder Eggs because they had them here for like very short amount of time until they were like, "Oh shit, we have to ban these." I've never heard of kids. Kinder Eggs. They, I think they were rebranded as something else in the U.S. I don't think they were rebranded as Wonder Balls, but they, but Wonder Balls are kind of based off that same idea. Okay. And then they were like, "Oh, we need to get rid of these because stupid children are choking on the toy inside hmm. because we coat it in chocolate or something." I don't know. 
Uh, so yeah, that's fun chocolate history for you, I guess, or candy history. Remember Warheads? Dude, the, oh yeah. I, I remember when I was on, when I would be on the school bus, there'd always be the, the kids who were like, you know, the Warhead crack addicts who, <laughs> you know, some kid would dare them, oh, I dare you to put like six of these in your mouth. And then they'd do it and then they would like die. The thing about Warheads though is that after the first like 15 seconds, seconds and all like the sourness is gone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you suck on them for like 10 seconds. It's like, oh, now it's just a sugary lollipop or sugary thing lozenge yeah yeah but um yeah i I think the in what you were the original point you were trying to make with the wonder ball commercial is that probably the vast majority of people who saw that commercial didn't know that was based on a doo-wop song from the 50s yeah exactly i mean we we do a show about a lot of music similar to that and we didn't know that until just now so I, i feel like pretty much no one knows that you know like i kind of comes back to the question i was asking earlier like does that do you think that takes away from the original song at all? Or, um, you know, does it maybe make the commercial look dumber? Because that's kind of what you were saying about the... Yeah, I, I th- I, I'm of the opinion that it makes the commercial seem dumber because here's here's a, here's a thought I just stumbled upon. A good handful of the commercials that we've stumbled upon that have these retooled songs are commercials targeted at kids. Mm-hmm. Candy, Cool Whip other things um, that we'll get into. And very likely these kids probably have never, you know, experienced songs past whatever is popular in that decade that they live in. Right. So do you think that companies find these old songs by these bands that are obviously broken up, you know, long after that, uh, uh, by that time, retool them to avoid having to pay, you know, any copyright to those songs? retool the song slightly and use it in their commercial because it's a it's a creatively easy way to manufacture a jingle for their commercial targeted at kids without actually having to go through the process of writing their own song yeah i can see that although i would i would i would would think that trying to fit words for your product to an existing tune would be more difficult than just coming up with something new, especially if that's your profession. But True. I, I, I don't know. I just see their marketing thought process of like, oh, we need to, you know, have something catchy to sell this product, rather than having to create something that we think is catchy. We can just find something that we already know is catchy, hmm. like an old, old timey, you know, successful song, like Cool Jerk. Um, and just retool it to cause a sort of, you know, A to B word association with our product or brand. And then it's just like, oh, we've created an, a catchy earworm type song that gets stuck in people's heads. Um, and we associate, they associate, then associate the product with it without us actually having to go through the sort of experimentation process of like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, is this song catchy? Does it work with, uh, does it, you know, resonate with you know the proper demographics blah 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 they're just like oh let's pick a song from 40 years ago that was a popular song like mm. the twist or something yeah you know you know what i'm saying yeah 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 um mm. so yeah it's it's hard to match you know wording and match your brand to an old song but at the same time that old song has sort of already been market tested if that makes any sense no that's actually a really good point yeah 
it seems weird though because like you know the cool jerk the cool whip one like that's a pretty easy connection to make mm-hmm. but like it just seems so weird to me that they that that for wonderball they would just randomly pick this song from 50 years prior that very few people have heard and it's like hey let, let's turn this into a song for candy there's no like pun or you know anything going on there true it's i don't know but i guess it, probably a lot of it ties back into what you were just describing because yeah this one this one more so than cool jerk the lyrics aren't really the same it's really kind of just the tune yeah yeah the you know the beat whatever um, well, in, in Book of Love, they go, oh, why wonder, wonder, who wrote the Book of Love, or something like that. And then they, in the commercial, it says, oh, I wonder, wonder, what's in the Wonder Ball? Yeah, that's true. So it's a little Good bit point. similar. Should we play a little clip? I think we should let our listeners hear the difference, or I guess the similarities. Baby, you know I do, but I've got to see this Book of Love. So once again, that was The Book of Love by the Monotones in 1958, followed by a commercial for the Nestle Wonderball from 2000. Yay. So those are the two like songs from our childhood that we we could come up with in our own heads. There are some other lists um, online that have other examples that I, we neither of us really, I don't think, really recognized. No. Um, there was one other. Although, <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say there was one particular example that I found very entertaining. Uh, was in I want to say it's the eighties. It looks very eighties. Um, the song "Do You Believe in Magic" by the Love and Spoonful. And yeah. I, I think we've discussed them on the show a little bit before. Yeah. Um, was used in a uh, McDonald's commercial. Apparently, it says it's from 1992. Okay. And that particular commercial, maybe we'll post it um, on our on our Facebook page so you listeners can, you know, you listeners can be watchers. Exactly. Um, but it is an incredibly cringeworthy commercial with Ronald McDonald that kind of echoes like some sort of Pee-wee's Playhouse type shit. Well, that's kind of what like '90s Ronald McDonald was, though. That's got yeah, yeah. And good I'm kind of glad they moved away from that because it was a little creepy. Uh, <laughs> it was incredibly creepy. But <laughs> it's like, hey kids, come over to Ronald's house. I'll give you some nuggets. Um, ignoring that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's um. So it's obviously it's the song. Do you, like you said, do you believe in magic? Um, in this commercial, it's like the wall of McDonald's opens up. And there's just this magical land behind the wall. And all these children go chasing after Ronald McDonald. And he shows them this happy, wonderful, magical land singing, Do You Believe in Magic? And see, the, I mean, you know, they've always had the McDonald's toy in in their little happy meal, whatever things that they have. So mm-hmm. it's it, it's going back to the emotional association of, oh, Ronald McDonald is a clown that makes me happy, and I'm happy when I go to McDonald's because I get toys and shit. <laughs> do you remember... Do you remember... 
Speaking of McDonald's toys, do you remember in the mid-90s when they had the, I think they were called Teeny Babies or Beanie Teeny Babies? They were like miniature versions of Beanie Babies that they sold at McDonald's. I absolutely remember that, yes. Dude, I fucking had every one of those motherfuckers. Because <laughs> I, you know, I was into Beanie Babies. I was, you know, a kid when those were popular and I had tons of Beanie Babies. And then those came yeah. out. I'm like, oh shit, you mean I can eat tasty food and get free fucking Beanie Babies? So, yeah, that was... uh. They, they had they had some good toys in the Dude, 90s. I, I was going to say, I, I, I we're jumping back into like 90s nostalgia, but hmm. I remember Teeny Babies. I remember they had hot, these Hot Wheel things for a while. Oh, yeah, they had the Hot Wheels cars. There was like the Hot Wheels and the Barbies. Like, you know, you could choose or whatever if you're a boy or a girl. They could, they could never do that now. Yeah, really. Now they'd be like, oh, it's, it has to be gender in specific. And I feel like I discussed this with somebody only a couple months ago, but it must really? not have been you. Maybe. Yeah, it's it's funny that I, I can they still do that? Have separate toys for boys and girls? Because do they? Idea. I don't think they do that anymore. I think they're kind of slowly phasing out toys in general. That's awful. There, why would they do that? I sort of understand why it's it's the backlash of oh, this, uh, you know, evil corporate McDonald's is sucking in children into eating disgusting food by giving them toys. It's kind of poor mm, brand associate. So I can see that. Uh, it's it's more about argument. cleaning up their brand from like a parental perspective, I guess. I don't know. Um, shifting away from the nineties from McDonald's, a little bit. yeah, sorry, and McDonald's. No, that was a, that's a good example though. Um, we're not going to play it because that wasn't one of our like featured ones. But yeah, it's a good example. Um, I do want to <laughs> talk about one. Now we did mention this, I think, a number of episodes back. Mm-hmm. It was um, Bismarcky with the Lucky Charms marshmallow only sweepstakes. This was not even six months ago. I think it was maybe like November. Basically, Lucky Charms was having, um, I assume it's not happening anymore. They were having the sweepstakes where I think, oh, you, you had, um, they were giving away 10 boxes of mar- quote unquote marshmallow only Lucky Charms. So there's only the marshmallows in it. Amazing. Um, and the sweepstakes was you had to take a selfie with yourself, some stupid shit like that. And then you do hashtag. <laughs> Some huge long thing. So yeah, sweepstakes have definitely changed. Hashtag give me my motherfucking marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that might work. Uh, so the the rapper Bismarcky did a did actually instead of this is a kind of a difference from the ones we've been talking about because he actually performed a version of his famous song Just a Friend from 1989, but he was the one performing the the version with the altered lyrics. And it's hilarious because he's basically poking fun at himself the whole time. And he's really old and, and just really weird and funny. So I, I, I crack the hell up whenever I even uh, think about this. Commercial. I was going to say, I think that lends a bit more credibility to the idea we were talking about of them utilizing, you know, old songs to sell mm-hmm. products is when they can actually get the original artist to come in on it. And, use their fame in a funny way like that to sell something either because they are you know ran out of money and need (laughs) and need revenue or just you know for the fun of it whatever it shows they put a little bit more effort into it too i think Mm -hmm. there there is one thing i want to read a little bit in a minute here but um i think if you just pull an old song and you're like okay let's just switch a few of the lyrics around and poop this commercial out (laughs) i mean it's a little bit of a cop-out i would say it seems to be kind of the the conclusion that we've been making in this uh 
conversation, but I think when you actually, you know, put the effort in to bring in the original artist and get them on board with doing an altered version of their own song in a way that's funny and entertaining, I, I, I can respect that. Exactly. Exactly. And it, uh, it, lends more, <laughs> it lends more credibility to the brand because it's like, hey, we convinced this famous person that our product is good enough to hawk. Yes, yeah. I don't know. Um, oh, I, I f- totally forgot. Um, but this is something else I realized recently about his song, Just a Friend, mm-hmm. that this commercial uses, well, an altered version of it. Um, I didn't even realize until a couple, couple months ago, but it hasn't been relevant until now, that the chorus of that song, he actually borrowed from You Got What I Need by soul singer Freddie Scott in 1968. What? It's like a meta-level borrowing. Yeah. And that, that's not really relevant to this conversation other than it has to do with that song, and I wanted to mention it. But that that was kind of like another epiphany I had with that song. Speaking recently. of complete irrelevance, um, okay, remember the song we talked about, Lottie Dottie, uh, by uh, Slick Rick and What's-His-Face? Yeah. There's a portion of that song, I don't remember the lyrics right now at all, but my girlfriend actually pointed this out to me, because it was playing in uh, my car, and there's a portion of that song that is the exact chorus or tune, whatever, to this old 1960s Japanese pop song called Sukiyaki. Oh. I guarantee—it's yeah, I've never heard of the artist, some Japanese guy, but I guarantee you pull up that song from the 60s, you will have heard it, uh, or you would have at least heard that beat. And yeah, in in Lottie Dottie, they use that exact uh, same tune. So I guess kind of matched. Did, which, did she hear our talk about Lolly Dotty and then recognize no, it? No, 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 or, no. I wish she actually listened to our damn show. But yeah, I did. I didn't think she did. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, it was playing on XM on on the on the um, old school rap station they have, mm. and that it got to that portion of the song, and she's like, "Oh God, this is Sukiyaki." Like what? Uh, um. And oh, she showed funny. me the original 60s song, and I'm like, oh my god, it's the same thing. So the song that a bunch of other rap songs are referencing... Is is itself referencing a 60s, a 60s Japanese pop song. Oh, wow. It's another example of that. So two, two in one episode, neither of which is relevant, but that's cool. Um, so I, I feel like we uh, built up the, uh, the Lucky Charms commercial quite a bit, so why don't we give our listeners the sweet stuff. Um, first, we'll play a clip from Just a Friend by Bismarcky, and then Bismarcky also performing <laughs> the Lucky Charms marshmallow-only version. Yeah, see if you can spot the difference. Marshmallow only, but you see there's only ten for the hashtag lucky ten. Just strike a pose and send us your selfie. Oh God, great stuff. I love Bismarcky. <laughs> he's so funny in that song too, in that video, because you can tell he's just having a blast yeah. making fun of himself. Um, So I, I found an article on uh, actually it was on tvtropes.org that actually talks about what they call the repurposed pop song which is more or less the different ways that a song can be used um in advertising mm-hmm. um and so they actually identify four or five different ways that a song can be used in a commercial i kind of want to just run through those really quick yeah 
the first one I mentioned is called Played Straight, um, usually the most expensive op- expensive option. In this case, the agency bought the rights to this sp- specific recording that everyone knows. Um, it's pretty much untouched, except they edit it to obviously fit the length of the commercial or to, you know, basically just jump right to the refrain or something, whatever, you know, whatever is relevant to the commercial. Mm-hmm. So that you like that, that's that's kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier with our episode two, which is using the original song as is to sell the product. Mm-hmm. And you have a cover. The second one was like a cover version, which is rather than buying the rights to the actual recording, they acquire the rights for the song itself. And then they do their own version. And this ties a little bit into um, our episode on song rights, uh, copyrights and stuff that we did. Oh yeah. Ago. That whole complex bag of cats. Yeah. There's a lot of different, uh, it's not just like one sock, co- one copyright for a song. There's lots of different levels of it. And it's pretty convoluted, but in this, in this case they're saying, well, instead of getting the original song, they can get the rights to do a, a cover of it. And then, so that's a little bit cheaper. And then an even cheaper version of that is whether well, they're saying that the, an extension of the cover version is what we've been talking about in this episode. Um, the long, the song's lyrics are rewritten um, basically to show you, Hey, this is how great the product is. And um, they says, it says this can have the biggest backlash if, if potential consumers feel the original song is somehow cheapened or ruined. So this treatment is often reserved for older, more obscure music, which really falls in line with whatever, everything we've been saying. Mm-hmm. That does bring up a good point, though, because I was thinking about this, but I didn't really bring it up, is that you know we were saying that they use older songs for basically for financial reasons. Yeah. But you know, do, do you know of any examples of this where they took a, like a new or popular song and they changed the lyrics hmm. for the commercial? I can't really think of any. Hmm. It's probably just too expensive. Yeah, I would imagine so. Unless, unless similar to the Bismarcky thing, they get the artist themselves to kind of be in on it. In which case, if they're paying for the artist to help them, then they have the money to do it to pay for their song. You know. Yeah, um, I mean, although in his case, that song is like fifteen years old. Yeah, so yeah. It, it is more recent than the other examples. I mean, the other examples, you know, there was like a forty fifty year difference. Yeah. Exactly. Um. That's a good question. I really can't think of any off the top of my head. Not that I watch a ton of commercials anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like, I'm not exactly, I'm not going to, I don't think I, I've heard a Justin Bieber song or Lady Gaga or whatever. I don't even know who's popular anymore. I'm so old. Um, mm. Song, you know, immediately repurposed to sell, you know, crack or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> or McDonald's. Um, probably because exactly that reason the artist doesn't want their song cheapened by branding and the brand doesn't want the backlash of consumers being like oh shit you guys ruined this popular song that's a good point yeah that, I can I can see how they that might be shooting themselves uh, in the foot double edged sword that way exactly yeah so. um, there's some other stuff in this page I was reading uh, that's kind of the highlights of what was in here mm-hmm. they do have a huge list of examples following this i don't really want to run through this but um if you listeners really want to research this on your own you can let's see i want to see if there's anything else that we didn't cover before we wrap up wrap it up i'll take it i want to say i've heard that song in a commercial just recently too actually i don't know who, who sings, sings that fuck if i know 
it's some eighties it's some eighties rock group. Seventies, uh, I don't I don't know. Well, to the Googles. Um, here's a question. This is actually the first question I wrote down, but I don't know whether we really discussed it yet. Um, why would they use take the song and then alter the lyrics for the product rather than just play the song by itself in its original form? Can you think of any real? My guess is mostly reasons. monetary reasons. It's it's just like we were saying before. The, the original form of the song, even for them to re-perform it themselves, probably costs more than them taking a song, altering the lyrics, because then they can just come back and say, "Well, that's not the original song. We changed this. It's our song." Mm-hmm. They they pull a fucking ice, uh, vanilla ice, you know, with his uh, under pressure cover uh, ripoff. Mm-hmm. So that's my guess. Um, by the way, that that band is, that seems to wrap it up is the Fabulous Thunderbirds, who I never have heard of. It sounds very eighties. That's uh, yeah, it does, it does sound very eighties. It's funny. Um, yeah, I can I can see that, and especially considering it's cheaper and they get to save a little bit of effort in writing the tune themselves and even some of the lyrics, um, and they get to more closely tie the song to the product itself. Exactly. Um, so I guess those are all, at least from their standpoint, pretty good reasons to do it. Exactly. Oh my god, I'm sorry. Um, in that list that you sent me of other songs, I'm watching the commercial for Gator Golf, and I totally forgot that that thing existed. Oh, I watched that one too. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, I remember this. <laughs> More anthropomorphic, por- yeah, anthropomorphic nostalgia. <laughs> Speaking of anthropomorphism, uh. Oh yeah, that's but me and the girlfriend saw the move the animated movie Zootopia last night. Holy freaking crap, is that movie good? Everyone needs to go see it, and it's actually semi relevant to our show, only because it deals with race relations in a in a very child friendly fashion. Just like us, (laughs) we are not child friendly, Peter. I guess the best way to put it is basically in the, in the story of Zootopia is to summarize it's all these different mammals living together. There's predators living together with prey that somehow live in harmony. But what you slowly come to realize in the movie is that the predators being a minority to the prey animals are actually kind of discriminated against because the, the, despite the fact that they supposedly live in harmony, there's the fear by the prey animals that the predators are going to revert back to, you know, the stereotypes of their species, mm. you know, and, um, and it's, 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 it's such an interesting way to frame the concept of, you know, minority relations and race relations mm. in as, in such a kid friendly way. It was like probably one of the deepest Disney movies I think I've ever seen That's as far cool. as like delving deep into like an emotional concept like that. Let's show almost like an animal farm type construct of our society. You know, the book mm. Animal Farm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how prejudice can sometimes be inherent. And even what was interesting about the movie, it even shows how prejudice can be so ingrained that someone who thinks they're not prejudiced can actually even be prejudiced by supposedly no fault of their own, but simply because of their uh, experiences. That was, so that institutional was, racism. Basically. Exactly. That was really deep to me. I'm like, they actually show even the main character of the movie slipping and falling back into uh, prejudice against, you know, whatever, another species in the movie. Um, 
despite her suppo- their supposedly progressive thinking. I'm like, mm-hmm. that is insanely brilliant that they could actually like tackle that. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I, I didn't, I had no idea that this, that, that Zootopia was like on that level or anything. I just thought it was another movie. I didn't really hear anything about it at all. It, it, it's very much a social commentary as much as it is just a, you know, a good moral kid story. Yeah. So yeah, go see it. I give it a two ass cheeks up. I don't know what my rating system is. <laughs> well, you, can you have more than two? <laughs> I give it four. All right. Well, <laughs> listeners, if you want to tell Kyle how many butt cheeks he can have in his movie rating system, tell us on Facebook at facebook.com slash get your funk. Or if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, you can go to our page at soundcloud.com slash get your funk. And you can follow our, uh, our episodes there and also comment on each episode as well. So if you're listening to us there, just click on the comment box and type stuff. Yeah. We always love getting feedback. Yeah. Even though we don't, <laughs> we don't get any or we don't love it. We don't get any. Oh, okay. But we love it anyway. <laughs> Please talk to us. We're so lonely. Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, this is, uh, this has been your, your host, Kyle. And this has been your host, Peter. I'm going to go get a Wonder Ball now. Okay. Bye. <laughs>